0: Well, Happy New Year, hope, and friends and visitors here, Happy New Year, glad that you're all here. You know, the New Year is kind of that typical great time to stop and reflect and look back, and Heidi and I tried to do that a little bit this week. We took some time and got away, and the idea is to try to just kind of reflect on the past year, the past season, and look, where did, where did I grow? Um, uh, where did I encounter surprise? Um, where might I want to then look ahead and see what God wants to do? Um, and be listening for what he might want in this coming season. Um, and, and I uh, turned fifty this past year, so it was really interesting to kind of look back at that. Yeah, no, that's not worthy of applause. That was it was really hard, but I got there. Yeah, um, thank you. Um, But, you know, for me, part of what God continually is stirring in me and I hope in us as a people is to become more aware of what his heart is for us, what the heart of God is for you and for me. And I think a lot of times we really struggle deep down inside to reconcile the idea that God's heart is for us. Right? We might just say the answer like, well, of course, yes, God loves me, his heart's for me. But if we really look at our lives, if we look at the different things that we face, the things that I face, I think it helps me to understand, do I really trust that the heart of God is good and that he's for me? Or do I think it's really something different? And I think that has a huge impact, especially as we look ahead on the goals in front of us or in the things that are coming towards us this year, maybe the challenges that we are ready to step into and take on. I think that if we think God's heart is for us, we are way more apt to step out and take some risks in our life to really attempt to move into some things that otherwise would look really scary. Because if the heart of God is not for us, well, then we might be in big trouble because if he's not for us, if he's indeed against us, then you might just want to play it safe and just sort of hunker down and just kind of try to survive. And so that's one of the themes again this year that I am really excited to, uh, about looking at because we kind of we think that our theme this year, as Jim and staff and I have been praying, is uh, kind of the overarching theme is following Jesus. You and I, following Jesus. Jesus into this year and so um, I kind of want to get started this morning oh Johnny would you bring that up for me Um, by um, everybody grab that little note card that's on your seat or maybe the seat next to you just grab that and then grab a pen there's probably one in the seat pocket in front of you if you don't have one grab that there note card Woo! thanks sir right up there be perfect wonderful thank you Johnny Thank you, thank you. And so what I'd like you to do, thanks bro, um, if you would uh, take that piece of paper, and on the far left of the paper, see if I have my pen here, I'll do it up here, on the far, oh, you have an extra for me, what a guy, what a guy, thank you, man. On the far left of your paper, write uh, these numbers, Uh, most of us it's going to be a 19 something, um, and write the year of your birth, okay? So go ahead, write it down. If you're afraid for people to know, shield it, you know, nobody looking, nobody peeking, right? Right, so write that, and then I want you to write a big dash, right, and then you know, it's probably fairly likely that it's a two zero, and then we don't know what these numbers are, right? So write your year of your birth, and then this big dash, um, because this represents your birth, and we don't know what this is going to be at this year. we don't know. Um, but the truth is that you and I, each one of us has Both of these dates, both of these dates in our lifespan and our time span of life, Uh, and we know, of course, um, what year we were born, hopefully we know what that is, Um, and I bet in a crowd this size, you know, maybe there's somebody that, who has a birthday this week? Anybody have a birthday this week? All right, there we go. We got some right here, right there. Benny's turning, yeah, oh man. Uh Oh, I better think of something right there, so, but we have these dates in our life, and, and Um, I think it's easy to forget about these different dates um, because the deal is, and why I think these dates are super important, um, is really we don't have a choice on either one of them for the most part, do we, right? We didn't have any choice on this date, right? When you were born, right? It's like, ah, ready or not, here you go. (laughs) You didn't have much of a call on that. And the truth is we don't really have a lot of control on this date, the date that we will leave this world. And um, we don't like to think about that a whole lot, so let's just be morbid at the beginning of the year think about the death date of your life, right? Now, John Ortberg, uh, he tells the story of how the ancient Greeks looked at these two dates in our lives, and the Greeks had this really interesting idea thousands of years ago. They believed that way before them even, in the early days of the human race, Everybody knew they were actually born knowing the date on which they were going to die. Like you were born with that knowledge. That's that's what they believed. They they knew the date they were going to leave this world, and so people were pretty fatalistic. Um, for me, it would be kind of a demotivating deal, right? Like, oh well, right, okay, eat, drink, and die, because or ain't drink and be merry, because <laughs> that's the day I'm going to die. Now, in Greek, ancient Greek writings, about 500 years before Jesus. Uh, I'm going to see if I can say his name. Like, Essay Colus's version of the story of Prometheus, uh, which Prometheus was a Greek god in the mythology. His version of this story, and Prometheus. If you've um, maybe heard some of these mythology stories at some point, uh, Prometheus was the god who um, um, brought fire right to the to the human race. And, and one of the things that happened in that story, which I won't go deep into, but they believed that because uh, fire was now brought to human beings. One of the results was that the people forgot what this date was going to be, like they used to know, but then they forgot what day they, they were going dis- to die, and so suddenly they started acting um, like they never were going to die, right? People lived in denial about the fact that they were actually going to die. Un- Understandably, that writer was a is kind of best known as the Greek tragedy <laughs> writer there. so, But it's interesting to think about what he was trying to say, because His idea was that since people forgot about the day they were going to die, they just, you know, didn't care about life and did nothing with purpose. So however we see this, uh, the truth is that you and I have both of these dates. We don't have any control over this one, right? The birth date. We uh, don't have a lot of control over that death date either. It's kind of ready or not. Here we go, right? Um, That's just kind of how it works. But I want you to notice this in the middle here. This thing right here, this dash between right your birth and your death, you actually do have a lot of influence and decisions that you get to make about what happens right there right there. see this dash represents your life and mine and then how your life turns out uh, what that what the dash that represents your life is going to look like is mostly up to you and. And whether the first day of your life to the last day of your life is a blessing on this earth or the first day of your life to the last day is a curse upon this earth, it's mostly up to you. But however you decide to live your dash, you and I get to cram all of our living and loving and growing and stretching, all of our battles, all of our adventures, all the races we run, all of our friendships into this one little hyphen right in there. Just one little hyphen. And so the question I want us to be thinking about this morning, and especially as the new year begins, is this. What are you going to do with your dash? We only get one, right? Nobody gets two. (laughs) We just get one dash. So what are you going to do with your dash? Now, Scripture talks a lot about these kinds of things, and um the truth is that life goes by very quickly. The psalmist in Psalm 90 writes, writes this, and he's talking to God. And this is a very, um, really wonderful, encouraging first part of the psalm. He says, uh, God, you sweep people away. In the sleep of death, they are like new grass in the morning, though it is though in the morning it springs up new. By evening, it is dry and withered. Sounds like they tried planting winter grass in Phoenix, is what it sounds like. Yeah, so... Um, And then this wonderful statement, the next slide. In fact, let's read this next slide together out loud. Teach us to number our days aright, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. What a great prayer. See, the psalmist is saying that life is unspeakably precious and unbelievably short. And the truth is, I think that you and I often forget that. We forget it. And, and I think it's so easy to waste these precious lives that you and I are given. We just waste our, our dash. And, and, and I know for me, sometimes I waste my energy and I waste my life worrying about such stupid things. Like, I worry, what do other people think of me? Or, or I waste my life by getting mad at someone and stewing over it. And some of us waste years of our life on resentment and stewing over those kinds of things. Or maybe some of us feel like we're wasting our life because anxiety, anxiety just is gripping us. It feels like it's owning us, and sometimes we're our, most of the time, the anxiety that we have is over stuff that's never going to come true, but we are constantly bound up in what if, what if, what if? See, because all day long, you and I can walk through life with blinders on. We can, we can miss the beauty the goodness that's all around us. And so many times, people come to this final date in their life. They come to that, and if they were able to stop and know, oh, this is my day, and look back, they might have to be honest that they have wasted, they have thrown away their one and only life, and they can't even tell you why. I want to invite us to not go down that easy common road. (laughs) I want us to think about this differently. See, because Jesus came and he invited people to join his kingdom, right? He said, you come, follow me, be a part of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God. And, and this story that God's writing, you and I, we can join in with what God is doing in our lives and in our world. And the most important thing that you and I can do with our little dash is to integrate it into this never-ending story of goodness. And, and the kingdom of God. So for a couple of weeks here, we're going to do this short little series to kick off the year called Life is Too Short to Play It Safe. Um, because so often, I think people like you and me, it just we don't mean to do it because we're terrible or bad people. No, we just forget. We forget, and we can throw our lives away on foolish things and pursue the wrong things. But friends, life is too short to always play it safe. So to get started here, I want to ask a question, and here's the question. Um, what do you think the most dangerous object is in your home. And while you're thinking about that, I'm going to tell you about a couple things here. Uh, Larry Loudon, he's a professor of philosophy in the University of Hawaii, and I always think, like, philo- teaching philosophy in Hawaii, that's got to be a rough gig, <laughs> right? I hope they're not actually paying him for that uh, gig, Yeah, But he wrote a book about risk, and he describes, in one whole chapter, he, he talks to household dangers Um, and devotes a whole chapter to it. Here's some of the things you might expect, and there's some stuff that was a surprise. Ready? Here we go. 460,000 people a year injure themselves with kitchen knives. Seems like a lot, but uh, that kind of makes sense, right? Um, They need to have Johnny teach them how to cut the right way, right? We learned last night how to not do that, yep. All right, here's another one. Um, Manual and power saws account for about 100,000 injuries every year. And that's probably believable. I actually drilled my finger the other day. Just wonderful little, yeah. So, and that wasn't even a saw. That was just a drill. Anybody else kind of klutzy with tools besides me? Come on, true confession. Yeah, nobody's admitting it. All right, I'm alone on this one. Um, <laughs> now, some of the things kind of surprised me that he talked about, um, like, by the way, do any of you have drapes in your home? Anybody have curtains or drapes? Right? Okay, just a couple of you. Let's see, you already knew the danger, I'm guessing. All right. Uh, well, every year, 20 people in America are strangled to death by drapery cords. That surprised me a little bit, right? This one was even stranger. Um, this is a quote directly from the book. Loudon writes Annually, some 4,000 of us seriously injure ourselves on pillows not making that up no idea how we injure ourselves he doesn't say how right and I'm like what like you stuff it on top of your face you think you're suffocating and you start punching punching it we go we injure ourselves on pillows so I don't know what happens there but here's what I want you to do right now Uh, take a moment turn to the person next to you you got about 30 seconds here and tell them what your guess is what's the most dangerous object in your home ready turn to the person next to you What's the most dangerous object in your home Dum All right. All right, let's, uh, let's get some responses. Let's start on this side of the room. What is the most dangerous object? You can tell on the person next to you if they had something creative. Anybody here? Most dangerous object in their home. Yes, sir. Yourself? Yourself? Yeah, I believe that. I believe that, right? Yes, Anna. Television. Television. Ooh, good answer. Anybody else over here? Pets, yes, and was there another? Kids, Legos, oh yeah, Legos, and the middle of the night, oh man, that is a curse from the, yes, it is, yes, it is. How about you, Brent? The fridge, very dangerous, that's very dangerous to me, to my health, absolutely, yes, yes. Our mouth, ooh, we're getting some good answers here, good, good, anybody else in the middle with something unusual that was, Yes. Your phone, yeah, there you go. Yes. Batteries? Ladders, yes, yes. That is why I have a very short ladder at my house for sure. Yes, Gene. Did you have one back here? Oh, 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 yeah, yes. Oh, there you go. If you're over 70, especially step ladders. I don't know what my excuse is, but yes, I'm with you on that. Anybody over here have anything unique? Will, yes, sir the stove yes the shower the stairs we have a spiral staircase at our house and i'm still getting used to it i really hope i don't sleepwalk out the door sometime that'd be terrible anybody else your wife what yeah (laughs) can always count on brother bruce I would offer to watch the game with you later because you might not be able to go home, but no, that's not going to (laughs) happen. It's not going to happen. Well, I don't know if there's a right or wrong answer to this question, but I want to show you what I think the most dangerous object in your house is. And if we could have a little help with the lights here. Here's what I think the most dangerous object in your house, is. it is a chair, right? It's a chair. In fact, it's a special kind of chair. This is... An easy chair, right? An easy chair. It's very dangerous to have an easy chair here. I'll move this so you guys can see a little better over there, hopefully, because I know you've probably never seen an easy chair on that side of the room Yeah. It's an easy chair, right? And listen, we don't buy this chair because it looks awesome, right? You know, I, have you ever been to the Lazy Boy furniture store? Like the chair that is the most comfortable easy chair, it looks terrible, but we buy them anyway, right? Because we buy it for one reason. Anybody know what's the reason we buy it? Yes, it's for comfort, absolutely, absolutely. Now, I want to paint a picture for us of what, of what too much comfort can do in a life and why it can be kind of dangerous. And so to do this, I'm going to need a volunteer, maybe somebody that hasn't been on the platform before. Just somebody to raise their hand up here. And I see eye avoidance too, so I'm really tempted. Are you, are you volunteering your husband? Yeah? Are you volunteering your... Bradley? Come on, Bradley, get up here. Ladies and gentlemen, Bradley Thompson. All right, so this is our friend Brad. Everybody welcome Brad again. Come on, he he needs more. He needs more love. Brad actually won a spike ball tournament this weekend, so you need some comfort. You need some easy chair action. So go ahead, um, I want you to sit down here. Uh, Heidi, will you come help me with our our stuff up here? Because you're... Like the Vanna White. I love that. Yes, it's wonderful. Um, so we got, we got, first, you know, we have to have him stand up. Let's get that, uh, let's get him a robe. Yeah, get that robe out for him. Yeah. First, we're going to get you a robe, because that's going to make sitting down. And this is a really pretty robe from our house. It's very comfortable. It's very, very nice. Wait, and oh, here we go. That's beautiful. And you know what? How about these right here? Slippers? Kick those shoes off, bro. Yeah. Woo. Man, those smell terrible. Okay, no, here, go ahead. Those have probably only been worn a few times. So you'll be fine. Um, here we go. So we got some, now, now go ahead and sit down here. In fact, uh, let's scoot this back a little bit because we're going to have to have him, now there's a little lever there. Let's see if you're, oh, you know how this works. Right on. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Nicely done. Uh, um, let's see what else we got hey is there any way to dim the lights not this light just dim the lights just a little bit because we want them to be really really comfortable here Um, Heidi will you get a snack out for them now if you want the best kind of comfort food what would we be looking for Twinkies come on people right on There's Twinkies for Bradley there it is very nicely done and I couldn't find any Ovaltine but can you get out the chocolate milk I think that would be nice we'll put it right here oh man, I wish I would have thought of this, right? Because if you have a chair, I missed something. If you have a chair like this, what else do you need sitting right next to your hand? Yeah, a remote control. How did I miss that? That would have been wonderful. You have to do without the remote, but I'm sure you have an app on your phone that would work just for that right there. So what else? Um, Hey, um, is Tony out here? Tony Granger? Oh, we miss him. Well, Rose, I know you're visiting, but uh, you, in addition to be, being a pastor, are a licensed massage or trained massage. So will you come on up, help him feel comfy? Yeah, just a little shoulder rub right here. Yeah, get him nice and comfy. That's good. And Kelly, you know what? Let's. Can you, would you sing him a little song just to really, this will be good. This is really good. Just, yeah, go ahead. Just sing. Relax, Bradley. Yes. Oh, Oh that's so good. That's so good. Very nice. Now here we have the picture of comfort and ease and and let's just pretend that the easy chair was like the ultimate goal in your life. Like this is what you were living for that what really mattered in your life ultimately the most important thing was comfort. And so just think about your own life. Think about your own life like if you just dedicated your life to maximizing your own level of comfort, to getting rid of all stress, of all problems, if that was the primary purpose of your life, um, does that really make your heart beat fast? Do you get excited about that? Do you think that would actually make a difference for the rest of the world? Um, Do you think if your life's goal was just to be comfortable and to settle into the chair for as many hours a day as you could, that you would be able to live a life full of purpose? I kind of doubt it i kind of doubt it because friends um life is too short to play it safe right to to play it safe to live pursuing just comfort i mean i know bradley here is in wonderful physical condition here but he doesn't exactly look like he's ready to spring into action right he doesn't look like he's ready for an explosion of growth and amazing things in his life if this is all he lived for if this is all he did in fact if he sits up here for the entire sermon he'll probably be asleep in about 5 minutes or 3 minutes so you got to go bro you're out of here so let's thank Bradley thank Rose thank you Kelly was that uh, was that fun did you enjoy that oh he's stuck he's pretending to be stuck that's a good move that's it a- It's a pro move right there. Now, um, you know, we had a brainstorm a little earlier today, and we thought what it would be really cool to do is every week, you know, we just pull an envelope out of the offering, and whoever (laughs) wins gets to sit on the chair. So um, that probably will get shot down by the elders, though. Is that right? Yeah, Stace is not giving me any answer. All right, okay. (laughs) So there you go. That's my belief that the—and thank you again. Good sport. That's why I think the easy chair is perhaps the most dangerous item in our homes. And what's dangerous about the chair is not the stuff that we do while we're in the chair. I don't think that's what concerns me as much as thinking about the stuff that we don't do. Like if our life is devoted to comfort and ease and living in the easy chair, uh, it's the relationships that will never deepen. It's the people that are in need that we will never help because we don't even see them. Um, Living in the easy chair means that there's great, desperate, urgent prayers that we never pray. Um, It's the races we never run. It's the battles that we were made to fight, but we never fight. It's the laughter we don't laugh. It's the tears we never weep. It's, It's the great adventure of life that you and I were designed to go on by God shaped by God with a purpose to missionally partner with him, but life devoted to comfort and ease, ah, we'll never do it. We'll never do it. And I want to tell you, friends, that whoever you are and wherever you are in your walk with God, no matter where you are, you were made for something more than life in the chair. You were made for something more than just a life in the easy chair. You were made to do something more with your life than just arrange it to try to maximize comfort and security and the safety that you and I try really hard to live with. See, you and I were meant to spend our lives, and you were made to spend your life in a risky partnership as an ally on an adventure called life in the kingdom of God, That's how you were designed. That's what you were made for. And that adventure of living a life with God in his kingdom, in his story, aligning our story to his story and his ways, it is so far beyond what we can handle on our own. And if we really get into a risky partnership with God, we are going to find that we have no choice. We have no choice but to lean into God on this adventure with him, to lean into the strength of an almighty God who will empower us by his Holy Spirit. And sometimes I think maybe that's why so much of the church in the western part of our world is uncomfortable with asking God to fill us with the Holy Spirit, um, part of it, I think, is we don't really live with a lot of risk, and so we don't really think we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We don't think we have really any big adventure that we can't do on our own. So truly, this chair represents a life that, that, that would, that chair would be the most dangerous object in our house. Um, again, not because of what happens when we're in the chair, but what doesn't happen. Now, I'm sure that some of you uh, heard about a study done at Berkeley a few years back, um, you know what that is on the screen? <clears throat> it's an amoeba, right? <clears throat> really interesting study these scientists did at Berkeley with an amoeba. They took an amoeba and they put it in a perfect environment. Perfect environment. They had ideal amounts of food, ideal amounts of sunshine, of moisture, of heat and light, all that it needed. This little amoeba had no problems. No demands, no challenges. And anybody want to guess what happened to the amoeba? Yes, right. It died. See, scientists found this strange thing for living creatures. They found that demand and challenge and change are absolutely essential to thriving and growth and life. They discovered that it's in the process of changing and of meeting demands and challenges that we grow, that we actually feel most fully alive, and that too much comfort um, is a lethal thing, even for an amoeba, uh, much less uh, a child of God or a person created in the image of God like you and me. I want to clarify really quick something. Um, When I say that life is too short To play it safe, and I encourage us to live a a life of risky faith. It's real important you understand what I am talking about here. Um, I'm not talking about going out and doing something stupid or impulsive, right? This is not like going over Niagara Falls in a barrel or jumping out of a plane without a parachute, right? I think that's my dad on the back of there, yeah. Um, That's where dad wants to be, yeah. Yeah. It's not about investing in terrible stock options. That's not what I'm talking about, right? Living a life of risky faith. Uh, Also, it doesn't mean that. Just do something, anything, do something dumb. It doesn't mean that. It also doesn't mean, okay, listen, you need to be uh, exhausted all the time. Uh, This is not a call to exhaustion. This doesn't mean that you should never rest. No, living a life of risky faith, trusting God, is about making your ordinary life an adventuresome partnership with God. It simply means this. It means you and I waking up in the morning and asking this question, God, what do you have for me to do today? I'll do it. What if you start your day every day this week? God, what do you have for me to do today? I'll do it. Now, typically I'm into the scripture way sooner than this, which is why this is a two or three part message because we're going to look a lot more at scripture today and in next week as well. But in the Bible, there's a very common kind of story. And these stories are encounters between God and human beings. It's so frequent that the Bible actually gives, uh, that the Bible scholars have actually given a name to these kinds of stories. Bible scholars speak of these kinds of stories in the Bible as Call narratives, right? Call narratives because they're narrative stories of God summoning, calling a person, and then giving them an assignment, giving them a task. And these call stories, these call narratives, appear both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. There are dozens of episodes of them. And I just want to briefly touch on a couple of these stories in the rest of our time together, and we'll pick this up again uh, next week. But I want to just wonder about what these stories mean for you and for me, because I believe that God still calls people to partner with him in doing the work that he intends to do in our world. See, that's what we were made for. We talk a lot about that here, being partners with God in his story, in his kingdom. So the first part of a call narrative, uh, it's always this. It's always this initial call, right? The initial call in these stories. It always works these way in all these stories. God begins by asking someone to do something, right? God shows up. He asks someone to do something. And I want to ask you another question here at this point. Um, Those of you who know much about the Bible at all, when in the Bible, where is there a story, is there a story where God interrupts somebody's life and asks them to do, you know, like an easy job? Like God shows up and says, hey, I got this assignment for you, and it's pretty quick, and there's not much demand attached to it, so here we go. Anybody? Guess how many? Yeah, never. (laughs) God never shows up that way, right? Never. It never happens. God never gives anyone an easy job. Never. Never. He never gives us an easy job. I mean, if it was easy, then we could just do it on our own, right? I can do that. Fine. I can do it, right? There would be no need for you or I to continuously be filled with the Holy Spirit. There's no need for you or I to lean into the wisdom and strength of God, right? We get one of those easy, easy jobs. We'd be like, oh, right, there's an easy one here. Hey, God, whew, that's, that's cool. You can count on me. You can just sit back and watch. I'll do this one on my own, right? Well, that doesn't happen. That doesn't happen in Scripture. It doesn't happen for you or I as well. See, God calls people to many different things. Comfort, however, ease is not one of them. That's not how it works. There's a whole chapter in the Bible, the 11th chapter of the letter to the Hebrews and the New Testament that summarizes the life of one person after another, where God interrupts them, gives them something really hard to do, And things like this, Um, uh, we could read these stories this week if you want. These are great stories to read. But God comes to, for instance, he comes to Noah, right? He says, hey, Noah, I got a job for you. Uh, I want you to build an ark, and in the face of ridicule, uh, I want you to restart the human race here on earth. Like, can you imagine that one out of the blue? Like, whoa, 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 whoa! thanks thanks a ton, God, right? Um, Later in Genesis, God comes to Abraham, says, Abraham... I want you to leave everything that's familiar to you. I want you to go to this country you've never seen, a place you don't have any relatives. Uh, and by the way, just get going. Like pack it up, hop on the camels, and get going. And I'll tell you you're there when you get there. <laughs> no, Map. I'll just, you just get going. I'll tell you you're there when you get there, right? And then more about Abraham, right? When he's 99, just think about this. Kids, that's older than me. 99, God says to Abraham, I want you to have a son. I want you to start a family. Like, holy smokes, what in the world? What kind of story is God telling where these incredible things are what he calls us to? Flip ahead further to the end of Genesis with Joseph. God comes to Joseph and essentially he says to Joseph in the story of Joseph in Genesis, I want you to be faithful to me, Joseph, even when your brothers have betrayed you and you're in prison and you're a slave. Wow. What a call. How about God's call to Moses, right? Uh, Moses, uh, what I want you to do here the burning bush where I'm making a call to you, I want you to be faithful to me. Um, and what I want you to do is leave this life that's very comfortable, right? You're shepherding. Uh, what I want you to do is leave that life. I want you to go back to Egypt where you're wanted for murder. <laughs> oh, oh, and I want you to defy, to defy the Pharaoh and set my people free. Right? These are just a few of these call narratives. See, God called all kinds of people, but he doesn't call them to easy, comfortable lives. And the writer of Hebrews here he he describes the lives of these people who say yes to God. And I want to read some verses because sometimes I think well when I say yes to God then he's just going to make my life like simple and easy and uh, okay well let's read. Let's read 11th chapter of Hebrews. The writer says this. What more shall I say? I don't have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel and the prophets. And they did good things, right? Through Faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice. They gained what was promised, right? I mean, they shut the, lou- the, the mouths of lions. They quenched the fury of the flames. They escaped the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned into strength. They became powerful in battle. They routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. Right there, if we were to stop, we'd all be like, I'm in, sign me up, let's go sounds good and they tell the rest of the story cuz not everybody had a wonderful next chapter when they said yes to following god he goes on and writes others others were tortured refused to be released so that they might gain a better resurrection some faced jeers and flogging these are again these are real people friends while still others were chained and put in prison Uh, They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were put to death by the sword. (sighs) They went about in sheepskins, goatskins, destitute, persecuted, mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith, yet, hard one to read, commended for their faith, yet none of them received what was promised. They said yes to God, and how many of them received? What's it say? None. None of them received what was promised, not, not in this life anyway. So if we want a reality check about our best life, <laughs> uh, now or later, <laughs> about following God and what he owes me when I say yes to his call, if we want a reality check, um, we got to wonder this, what value does God actually place on our comfort as the highest priority? When I read words like we just read out of Hebrews, um, I would say he doesn't place a super high value on us having a cushy, comfortable life. See, because following God, let's be honest, it is risky business. It sure isn't uh, safe in terms of well padded and cushioned and (laughs) taken care of. Now, again, lest we take this to a really austere place, Uh, Hear me, I want to remind you, if you've been around here at Hope, you know that we know and believe and trust that God is our Father. He's a good Father. He's very concerned about us. The Bible tells us all through Scripture how God loves us immensely, how God wants us to grow. He, He wants us to be strong. He wants us to be filled with courage and goodness and wisdom, which is wonderful. But the truth is, from the testimony of Scripture, Um, God does not guarantee for you or I that our lives will be particularly comfortable. And I think it's important for us to understand that because when there's a call for us to live in risky faith, um, we need to know what we're signing up for. Because this world that we live in is a world that says, hey, listen, just pursue comfort, right? Everything you can spend, um, everything you can give your life to to pursue comfort, buy comfort and security at any cost, any cost. But that's a different message. That's the message of the kingdom of this world. And we're looking at the message of the kingdom of God. We're looking at a narrow path that few walk and few find and few enter into. But that's the life of faith of walking with God in the risks he calls us to. And friends, this is not an easy thing for me. Like, I get, I get nervous all the time, right? I get really confused when my life isn't comfortable. Like, if I do what I think God's calling me to do, um, I can get really confused when it doesn't work out the way I thought it was going to work out, right? Sometimes people, some of us, we, we, we think about God like, hey, listen, I followed God, I said yes to him. I said yes to what he called me to do. And then what? He didn't make my life comfortable. Like he didn't give me all the things that I think I need and want to make my life safe and secure and well off. Like come on, right? I walked with God. I followed God. And what happened? I, my marriage fell apart. I walked with God. I, I trusted God. And someone in my family died. Or I got sick. Or what's the deal, God? And we can feel betrayed by God. But hear me, listen. God never promises that stuff. He doesn't. It looks to me like the things that the God of the Bible calls people to often might be very difficult. So, we'll pick this up next week, but that's the first thing that happens in these stories, these call narratives, right? God calls, then there's the next thing that we'll pick up next week is, so there's the call, then there's the response, because in every story, (laughs) God interrupts somebody's life, he calls them to do something, and then there's a response, and the response is fairly typical as well, Uh, and we'll pick up next week on that part of the the larger story, but as we close, Tony and the team, will you guys come? So we close with a song of worship. I do want to say this to to you, and I'm saying this to me, this is a message that I speak because it's something that God keeps challenging me with in my life as well. Um, so we're in this together, friends, but, but friends, I want to say this. If you are not facing any challenges in your life that are too big for you, If it's been a long time since you've stepped out in a way that made you a little (laughs) nervous or even frightened, (laughs) um, it's real possible that if that's been your life and it's been that way for a long time, that you've been sitting in the easy chair of life a little too long. Let me, uh, allow me here, I'm going to quote John Orberg as we close. He says this, he says, I've never known anybody who had a deep, risky, bold faith in God that led an easy, comfortable, challenge-avoiding life. Never. Because the easy chair does not build a faith that's worth having. It doesn't lead you into a life that's worth living. (laughs) See, because nobody gets to the end of their life, nobody gets to this day, And they look back at the dash and say, Ooh, wow, those were great memories. Those easy chair days, they were fantastic. Most people, I think, that live that way, look back at their life and have some regret. Wish they'd done something differently. And so my invitation, what I believe God's inviting us to as a community, is this, Will, will we open our heart to what God may be speaking to us this week? Will we open our heart to places or people that he might be calling us to connect with or invest in? And while our worship team leads us in a song, just take these moments, just you and God, to wonder about that question. And what would it look like for you and I to wake up in the morning and say, what do do you have for me today, God? What do you have for me to do? Where do you want me to point my energy? I'll do it, God, I'll do it.